opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Mark Fisher, CEO of the Indiana Realtors Association, to talk about how it's guiding members in light of the commission lawsuits, which includes understanding and articulating their value. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been great. So we are here at the Indiana Realtors Association, uh, your state conference. It's been amazing. Um, you know, getting to spend time with your leadership team and then also getting to sit through some of your sessions. So congratulations on a great event. Thank you. It's our uh, second Managing Broker Summit. Uh, so we have had our fall conference uh, in September, and this one is uh, specifically designed for our managing brokers. Management really goes over some of the legal questions and, and the forms changes that we provide. And so it's a, it's been a great event. It's been a long day. Yeah, no, I appreciate you taking the time. So, you know, it really feels like the real estate profession is under attack from a lot of different angles, right? A lot of different sides. Sure. From your perspective, what do you see as the main challenges for your members? I think for our members, it's really communicating their value. Um, and I, I think that um, the average consumer may not know all that a, a realtor does, uh, in advance of the closing table or post-closing table. And so it's really incumbent upon our members to make sure that they are clearly communicating the services they provide uh, and how they uh, they serve their clients. And it's not just simply taking some pictures, posting up on, a, on an MLS, and then signing documents uh, a, a few weeks later. I think it's uh, the past couple of years has just been a very frenetic market. And so uh, when houses are are having multiple offers uh, above list price, uh, people waiving inspections, um, you know, on the seller side, it's been great. On the buyer side, it's, you know, it's managing the client's expectations. And so um, really knowing what the value is and what services you provide and really communicating clearly to uh, your clients. Uh, and I think the general public of, of what happens in a real estate deal, how you get compensated, uh, the fact that it's, um, you know, it's a, uh, people don't get paid on the front end there. So there's a lot of work that you do that people may not see, uh, uh, as, as clients and as general, general public. So obviously the backdrop is these commission lawsuits, which, you know, I think there were two more filed, uh, in the last 24 hours. Correct. So what we hear from agents who reach out to us or, or brokers is like, they really want practical knowledge, like practical guidance of what do I do right now? Given what's happening, what do I do? How do I prepare? So how are you guiding your membership on what they should be doing right now? Yeah. So again, uh, you know, NAR has provided some really valuable tools, 179 ways of knowing, you know, the services that you provide. Uh, We've uh, long encouraged our members to use uh, buyer's agency contracts. Uh, So um, knowing, again, having those conversations with your clients upfront about the services that they can expect you to provide and how you get compensated. Uh, sometimes it's not a, the most comfortable conversation, but I think it, it'll serve both our members and the general public and the clientele uh, more. So this isn't new. We've been saying these things for years. Uh, I think it's just coming to focus now with the lawsuits. 
So we talk about the the state association. You you mentioned NAR. So there's the National Association, but you know I see coming to these conferences, obviously talking to a lot of realtors and brokers, that they feel a lot of value in the state association. Sure. You know, you're the CEO of a state association. How do you define that value? Yeah. So I think um, so. I'm I'm not new, but I'm newish. Uh, I've been in the role for about two years, and I came from outside of realtor world. Um, I came, my background's in public policy and economic development. I'd worked very closely with uh, local realtor associations and, and our state association in my past life. Um, and I just really appreciated uh, the level of expertise and professionalism of our members, the grassroots uh, aspect of, of a realtor association. Um, I think for um, because of the three-way agreement and the federation, uh, a lot of people know a national association because they have the code of ethics. They set forth the policies. Uh, they know their local association uh, because they're the point of entry and they're the closest to the communities. And so sometimes a state association can get, I know, lost in the mix. And so for us, as I came in and, and started, of course, you know, new CEO comes in, got to have a strat plan. Um, it became about really understanding what our value proposition was uh, as a state association. What are we inherently going to be able to do better to serve our statewide membership than national association can do or a local association can do? Um, and so we really wanted to differentiate uh, what our role is in that three-way agreement. Uh, and so we really honed in on our legal and risk reduction. So we have a legal hotline uh, that managing brokers or their designees can call. We in Indiana have statewide transactional forms. And so those are developed uh, by our members. They are developed with uh, you know real estate attorneys every year. They're updated to reflect what's happening in the market. Uh, but that uh, those two uh always uh, show up in our member surveys as the number one value is our legal hotline, our statewide forms. Um, we also focus on advocacy. And so uh, we focus on state level advocacy. So the governor's office, our real estate commission, our legislature, we're not a home rule state in Indiana. So a lot of the issues that other states may face on a local level, uh, we're able to address at the state level. And that is very, uh, we can communicate that uh, very clearly. And so our members know that we have their back at the at the state house. Um, we also focus in on um, our ed our education. So we uh, have a school that does about fifty percent of the pre licensing education. What we've done is use that capacity uh, with our school to offer our members uh, continuing education at no additional cost. It's not free because it's part of their their dues, but uh, in order to really increase professionalism, we wanted to make sure that we were giving our members continuing education that they could access on demand and online uh, throughout the year. And so we focus on that. And then uh, what we're most excited about now, and I know we, we just had Logan talk, um, is our data. Uh, we collect uh, daily inputs from our eight MLS marketplaces. We're able to uh, compile that data. We have a data scientist in-house. Uh, and a data team that really is trying to tell a story with the data and, and, and uh, more charts, more graphs, uh, visualizations, and then get that in the hands of our members. We're using our data uh, to better inform our members so they're better advocates for their clients, but also we're using that data to partner with state-level agencies, our economic development corporations, uh, our housing agencies, um, and uh, and communicating directly to uh, elected officials so they have good data and they're making good policies based on data and not 
what feels right or feels like this is the solution. So, uh, and then, uh, so it's, uh, legal and risk reduction. It's advocacy at the state level. It's our education. We also have a, a, a leadership academy that which we loop into our, our education and then it's our data. So those are our four priority areas. Those are where we focus our energies, how we communicate. I would say that what I heard very clearly too across the state as I traveled was they, they were not familiar with us because we're in the state capital, we're in the big city. Um, so it's very incumbent upon us to be present across the state at our local partners and, and their local associations. So how can we better serve our members um, by uh, partnering with our local associations, adding capacity uh, and being good, uh, good partners to our locals. They are closer to their communities they know what's happening in their communities. So making sure that information exchange is also two-way, that we're making sure that they know what's happening at the state level. We're passing information on from NAR to our local partners, uh, but that we are open to hearing from our locals what their needs are and making sure that we uh, consider that in our uh, advocacy efforts. So I've heard a lot about the Leadership Academy just over yeah. the last couple of days. Really interesting and uh, seems like a very you know, it, it just mirrors the cooperative environment that your association seems to have, especially among your leadership team, Absolutely. the executive team. So tell me a little bit about the Leadership Academy and how it's different than maybe other ones. Yeah. So I've uh, gone through a, a few leadership series in my career, um, mostly focused at the local level. And then I think on the second or third day on the job, uh, our COO came to us and said, how would you like to go to camp? Um, and it was a, a great opportunity. I, I went through it as a state CEO. We've had a, a local AEs coming in uh, and going through our program as well. Um, it's not just uh, how are you a leader in your brokerage, but how can you be a civic leader? How can you take leadership roles in your community? How can you be better prepared to take leadership roles in your local associations as well? Um, that, you know, a lot of uh, associations are, you know, we are a membership association, so it is volunteer led. Um, I think we have a very professional staff at the state level. Um, we've got great local AEs, um, but we are a volunteer organization. And so making sure that we are preparing our leaders uh, to take the helm of these associations at the local level and elevate, then elevate through to the, the state level as well, making sure that they better understand the role of staff versus the volunteers, uh, the fiduciary responsibilities, um, uh, and then how to really take charge and be change makers in their communities. Um, so we do everything from a day at the state house. We bring in uh uh, speakers trainings. We do etiquette training. Uh, we, um, it's, it's a wonderful program. Um, and it's, it's, so it's open to about 18 people a year. We get applicants. We try to make sure that we've got great geographic, racial, uh, diversity and, and gender diversity, uh, and making sure that, that, uh, we build cohesive teams because any leadership series you go through, you kind of develop this cohort. Um, and it's been a great, you know, these build these networks, we just started um, an alumni uh, group for our leadership academy, and you know, it's kind of each class as their. Oh, we're the best class. No, we're the best class. Um, each class has a, a a project for the year. So actually, my class, our project was to start the the alumni uh, group, and so we hold a alumni reception. Um, before our, our fall conference, the Sunday before our fall conference kicks on off on a Monday morning. One of the class projects was uh, the formation of a realtor specialty license plate. And that was done, in, I think, in 2018 and something we just got passed today. So, you know, five years later, we we're able to, to unveil the, the work of a, a class from five years ago. 
So. Yeah, I love that. And when you say, uh, do you want to go to camp when that person tells they actually meant camp, right? A Boy Scout camp. Oh, yeah. So we go. <laughs> yeah, we go. Uh, we get out of Indianapolis. We go to a camp down outside of uh, Bloomington, Indiana uh, for two days. And a lot of team building exercises, you know, trust falls, that sort of thing. Um, but it's a good time to get people out of their element. It's really bad cell coverage. So people have a hard time, like, being distracted with work. Uh, Kathy Harbaugh, who, who administers and oversees the program, um, you know, she takes it very seriously and, and she expects people to be very present. Um, and so it's a great opportunity, again, at the, at the outset to form those bonds. Uh, you take a personality test so you better understand how to, how to work with and communicate with different personalities. Um, and so all year when you are wearing your uh, leadership academy name badge you have all your colors uh of of what your colors are what your personalities are and um so it's it's a great program and uh it's something that you know our locals we don't what we don't want to do going back to our value proposition too is we don't want to replicate what our local associations are doing and what they'll inherently do better but i think this is additive to what some of our local associations do with their own leadership academies so when I was um, talking to different people on your executive, on the executive team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things they talked about is some of those people are from the cities and some of those, you, yeah. know, you have a lot of rural areas right. here as well. So how do you think about that as the CEO of a state association that has, you know, pretty different, um, you know, parts of your state? Yeah. So we're not unlike a lot of states where um, a few large metro areas make up the vast majority of membership. So in Indiana, uh, the metro Indianapolis area is about 45% of our membership. That does create some tension. You know, I, I worked at the local chamber of commerce for a long time and, you know, kind of everybody hates Indianapolis, but then it's, it's been phenomenal to be able to travel around the state. Um, there it's very diverse uh, cultures. You wouldn't think of Indiana as uh, having these really diverse cultures, but from Southern Indiana down by the river up to uh, the, the Chicago suburbs and Northwest Indiana uh, and, and all everywhere in between, they're all different and they all have their, their assets. Uh, they've all got their personalities. They've all got a lot of community pride. Um, I think that's the beauty of something like a leadership academy is you, you're trying to very strategically pick people from different associations of different size and different types, um, uh, different staffing levels. And so you're able to bring those people in and really share this kind of shared experience. Um, we do a lot of travel now around the state um, as staff, especially in the summer months around RPAC. But um, we are trying to be out and about as much as possible to local installations, local conferences, being present. You must be present to win uh, in this in this job. And uh, we've made it a priority for our staff to make sure that we're going out there and, and working with these local associations as well. So do you feel like uh, through those local associations or, or just through yours that the the people who do real estate in this state, they really understand what the challenges are and how to meet those challenges? <laughs> um, I would say that we are certainly trying to provide as much information as possible. It's incumbent upon people to, you know, open the emails. Um, you know, we're sitting in, the, in, in our recording studio in our, in our building. This is something that we, we built brand new because it's important as a state association that we are communicating to our members how they consume information. So um, while the written word, we've got a great communications team that 
are very talented at the written word, um, that's not how everybody consumes information. So we are trying to create more audio, more video, more charts, more graphs, stuff that we can uh, almost turnkey communications as we put it in our newsletters, we put it in our on our website, that our members can just pull those off of our, our communication pieces and use them for their own purposes. As I say, it's their own data. We're just trying to package it so that it's usable for them. So sales managers can use it in their sales meetings. You can listen to a podcast as you're going between showings, and it's not always a written word. So very important for us that we communicate how they consume information. We're communicating our value proposition uh, through our, our focus areas of education and legal and risk reduction and advocacy. How do you how do you think about, you know, you said that more important than ever, um, realtors need to understand their value proposition and be able to communicate that to, especially right now, buyers, right? Like, here's, right. here's why. Do you feel like there's an existential threat to the buyer's agent right now? Or do you think this is going to, how do you think this is going to evolve? So I'm not a realtor. Um, this is not what our members do is not what I do. I, um, you know. Oddly enough, have a master's in nonprofit management. I was kind of like have the educational background to to run a, an association. Um, I am a consumer, and I can tell you, I would not enter into a um, a transaction. I would not look for a house uh, without a professional helping me. I understand that. I think the vast majority of people understand that. Uh, the question is, what are you doing for your money? You, you know, we 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 get that we need this representation, but Walk me through the steps. Walk me through all the services you're going to be you're you're going to be providing me. Um, I don't. I think that uh, you know the vast majority of people will still go to the internet first to just get a flavor of what's out there, but they're going to look for that professional representation. It is the largest transaction that the vast majority of Americans will ever experience. It is the largest investment a lot of them will ever experience, and so you want to make sure that you have professional advice. Uh, and you have a professional representing you, um, making all the connections. We all live busy lives. You know, we're we're moving a million miles a minute. I don't have the expertise or the time or, quite frankly, the desire to do all of this myself. And so I think it is a service. Um, but we we need to remind our, our our clients and the general public. I think in general, um, you know, they may say, "Well, I'd never do that." But then you ask them, "Did you have a realtor?" helping you out. Of course I did. Right. So I think that there's a lot of, uh, fear out there. It's because it's the fear of the unknown, but I would, as a consumer, I would never enter into a transaction without professional representation. I wouldn't go to court without an attorney. I wouldn't go to, uh, a, a, the largest transaction of my life without representation. Well, and I think we've seen that, you know, I mean, the portals have been around how long now, right? And, and so people, you know, the, the fear was when portals just came into existence, like, oh, they're going to disrupt the, the real estate agent. You know, people are not going to, you know, they're just going to buy a house, you know, online, whatever, especially millennials. And of course, what we've seen over the ensuing years is that millennials are the least likely to buy a house, you know, without professional help. Right. It's a complicated process. Uh, it's, but it's also ease and convenience. People pay for convenience. And I think that that is um, something that our, our members um, need to recognize. And I, I, I do not think it's an existential threat. Um, you know, we are a society that is moving at the speed of light. We all have, uh, you know, competing uh, 
things that for our, our time, for our interests. Um, and I think that, you know, people want to make sure that they are well represented. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's an existential threat. So in talking with your team, I um, found out that you guys had changed your governance structure. Uh, you had overhauled it pretty recently. So maybe you could walk me through that and why you did that. Sure. So I, I inherited this this new governance structure. Um, it, it was came into effect my first year, so about three years, uh, three months after I started. Um, and we shrunk our board over several years from 150 to 47 to now 17. Um, it, uh, I think it may be the smallest board, uh, in the, in the nation from a state perspective. Um, but not only did we shrink it, we created a system or a governance structure that really focuses on the broker owner. Um, so we at the state level can focus on more strategic issues. We can focus on the business of organized real estate that we can focus on broader, policy and economic issues that impact the way our members do business. So by shrinking the board, we are more nimble. By adding uh, a heavy emphasis on management or ownership, uh, we can be much more strategic. And so we don't get in the weeds of a lot of issues. We, you're not going to come to a, an IAR conference and talk about negotiation skills. You're going to hear about uh, economic factors. You're going to hear about legal factors. You're going to hear about public policy that's impacting your business. Um, uh, so you're, we, again, knowing what we are going to inherently do better at the state level than our locals or the national can, uh, and really focusing on that. And so I think that's where our board governance structure. Now we have the ability for frontline agents to, to serve on the board. We have the ability for small companies to serve on our board. In fact, our, our, uh, next year's president uh, is an owner, a broker owner with 10 agents um, and from Northwest Indiana. So not part of the central Indiana uh, uh, family. And so um, I think that it's important that as members of the association that you create the space for your members to be heard. So at all of our conferences, it's risky, but we have an open mic. <laughs> right at the end of everything, we open it up. You can come and bash us. You can come compliment us. You can come ask questions. You can, you know, have random thoughts that you want everybody to know, but we are going to give you the opportunity to have your voice be heard. But when it comes to running an association that is focused on legal and risk reduction, policy, advocacy, education, um, you need to really think about the future of an association to make sure that you're being strategic and you're able to react and respond to um, issues that are coming very, very quickly at us. You know, um, realtors are, are an independent bunch. So, yes. I, <laughs> you know, they, they got into this to be entrepreneurs. That's right. Very, many of them, they love the structure. They love uh, the, the lack of structure, the, the fact that they're creating their structure. So I can imagine that it's a little bit like herding cats, you know, when, when you're trying to govern them. But I think that's really interesting. So as, as you look at the changing landscape, so even before the commission lawsuits started, we really see kind of uh, uh, some pretty big changes in who gets to the consumer first, right? Because they go online and, and, and we know they go online maybe eight months ahead of when they're going to buy. You have all these people now. So it, especially like when it comes to like your mortgage partners, right. real estate partners, like how do you, how do you help your members really work together with their partners who I think are more important than ever right now? But I think that goes back to knowing your value, 
the the fact that I'm not a realtor, I'm I'm a consumer. I don't know my mortgage people. I don't know my title people. I don't know, you know, I don't know the business of real estate like our members do. And that's the thing as a staff person, that's why we rely on our members to give us direction. That is when we're talking about giving them the opportunity to weigh in and provide feedback. That's how we get our direction. And that's, you know, our board members give us direction. They're the experts. Uh, So I think it, you know, it goes back to one, the consumer has chosen the internet as their point of entry, right? They are going to scan the environment get a feel for things. And then they're going to engage an agent. Um, I think uh, that that agent then becomes almost a concierge. They are an advisor. They are a therapist. They're, you know, there are so many things. Uh, and it's been fascinating as a, as a, a new consumer, I haven't bought a house in 10 years. And now in this role to be a consumer and much more fully appreciating what our members do for their clients. And I think we just have to, our, our members have to continuously remind them and show them and be that concierge, go that extra step and uh, making sure that you are bringing your full self and your full network to a transaction. You know, that was echoed today when I was in one of the sessions on um, insurance coverage. Yeah. And one of the, you know, one of the takeaways there was like, be a source for the sources. That's you're, right. You're not the source for insurance. You 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 shouldn't be advising people about That's right. flood insurance or whatever, but you're the source for other sources. Super connectors, right? Our Our members are the most involved people in their communities that I know. They are not just selling houses, but they're selling their entire communities. And that being able to build a large network uh, and to be able to pull and call on the, on your friends and your colleagues and people, uh, partners from, you know, all the different um, entities and, and uh, people involved in a transaction, I think is, is really part of the value that a realtor will bring uh, to a transaction. Well, and I think that, that, um, mirrors your own experience. So, you know, you say you're not a realtor, so you were with the chamber yeah. in Indianapolis, and then you were also a uh, director of engagement um, and the president for, you know, develop Indy and yeah. like Indianapolis has been a, a huge focus for you, the city. Right. Uh, so the city has been a big focus, but um, it's been great to to build the network as I've traveled the state as well. And to really, to get to better know the communities across the state and all the diversity that they hire. But I, uh, as a as a chamber guy and economic development professional, you know we we have to build networks and we have to be able to rely on those networks and those relationships. Uh, public policy and advocacy as a lobbyist uh, that is a relationship business. There's there's specialized knowledge, but there's also um, you know the the relationships and being able to tap into people for specialized knowledge and bring them in, knowing when to bring somebody in when you're not the expert is is kind of a key to lobbying as well. So, well, Mark, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for sitting down and kind of giving us, you know, an inside look at what you guys do at the state agency level. Thank you. And, and the value that you bring. So thank you very much. We've really enjoyed having you here. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insights.